0: friends i'm olivia and i'm katie and we are podcast by proxy welcome
1: we're live and katie is a different nationality record i don't know why <laughs> i've just been i okay you know what i know why i do know why I have a new YouTube obsession. I randomly went back to watching YouTube videos lately just on a whim.
0: That's funny because same and Mm. I haven't in years and we used to be so into YouTube.
1: So into it. You have to look up her name is Naomi John and she's a German like YouTuber influencer and singer. Her songs are so good. She only has a couple of them out and she does like a bunch of like try-ons like viral tiktok things but she's just like so out there and hilarious but she always does funny voices and accents so i find that now i'm just like saying stuff in funny ways now you're also doing funny voices and accents yeah (laughs) that's fair i love it and they're only funny because nothing i try to mimic accent wise sounds accurate so well, this week's fun fact about us then, or, like, fun adventure
0: of the week, we both got back into YouTube. I love yeah, that. Yeah, I
1: guess so. Hey. Yeah. What else?
0: Yeah, I just haven't been finding anything. Like, I don't watch a lot of TV to begin with. It's normally just, like, true crime stuff for research or for fun, um, like, documentaries and stuff. But I'm not, I don't really watch, like, a lot of shows. And so uh, the other day I was like, you know, I'm going to check out the YouTube again. Maybe they have something for me to watch. They do. That I might be interested in. And I like that most YouTube videos
1: are like max 20 minutes. Yeah, I think most of hers are that 20 to 40 minute window, which is ideal to me. Well, that's super fun. I like having them on in the background if I'm like tidying up. I think they're funny. It's just something lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah, becoming a big fan of YouTube again.
0: I love that. Well, welcome back, everybody. Podcast by Proxy. To our YouTube podcast, apparently. (laughs) I don't even think our podcast is on YouTube, but we're plugging it today. Cha-ching! Holy bay. Uh, This week, Katie brought us a story. Uh, before we start, just wanted to give you our weekly reminder that we are on Patreon. Uh, Patreon's a subscription service. You can get access to bonus content, which we are actually recording a bonus episode right after this. Uh-huh. Yeah, Early we Early access to episodes, archived episodes... Ad-free episodes, all of the above. I'm getting our new stickers in really soon, so I'll be sending those out to anybody who signs up. And the only other thing I think is rate and review on whatever platform you're on. It's super, super helpful for us.
1: <laughs> super Good thing helpful. that
0: I'm not talking today because I'm having a difficult time with it. Hey, you are and, later, so... Uh, that's about it. I'm excited to see what Katie brought for us today. We have been really been secretive with each other about the episodes that we do lately. Like, I like we it. never really tell each other what we're researching, which I think is really fun. Uh we were doing that for a while because I was I feel like I was self-conscious for a while about my ability to like respond to things that I don't know are coming, if that makes sense. Yeah. Felt like I had, like, no good replies, but I'm just going with it. So, I'm enjoying this little secretive vibe we've got going.
1: Yeah, you don't need talking points nearly as much anymore.
0: No, I don't.
1: It's like, this podcast is like a dating experience. Like, the first few dates, you needed talking points. You know, you needed (laughs) some help. You wanted to be prepared. Now you've found your groove. We've been together for a while. (laughs) Oh, oh. I don't know what that was. Speaking of being together a while... I just want to double check that cat page that I sent your boyfriend. Okay. Those are like the cutest freaking things, and he needs one. He needs one. He does not need a
0: cat. Need is a strong word. I'm going to share with everybody now that you have brought it up, though. Katie, uh, send me the page crystal underscore flames underscore cattery and it is her new favorite page on the instagrams it does have incredibly cute fluffy cats so if you love they're not even
1: just cute they look like little bears
0: they are like bear cats They are very like very fluffy and like fluffy groomed i love it when animals are really 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 fluffy and then like like groomed properly like the ones where they get like the scissors and they're
1: like perfectly still and every little hair is like like their head is like a little dome
0: yeah like people who have really 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 clean cut hedges that always gets me too i'm like oh you went
1: for it yeah anyways i'm like oh you paid the extra money for that people i took a two-man team (laughs) good job (laughs) yeah the things you think of when you're over 30 truth happens um, so yeah, this case, it's been on my list since like the day we started. Oh, <clears throat> that was a long time ago. So and I'll that's be exciting. honest, like every case I do now, I'm like, did we cover this already? Mm. Like, I get those moments of like, just self-doubt. Can't <laughs> you just <laughs> double <up> check? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I always type it into Spotify and if ours doesn't come up, I feel like that's also a good sign. But I googled this one, and I looked, and I didn't really see much about it, but there is quite a bit of information, as we'll see, so this one was just too weird to me. Okay. And very local to us, so we'll recognize some of the locations, and yeah, I'll explain where a couple other things are, and you're going to be like, WTF?
0: Just like that. That's exactly how I'm going to say it.
1: Yeah, and I felt like when I said that, I felt like that Inventing Anna girl. (laughs)
0: That is what that sounded like. I
1: finally just watched that.
0: Oh, really?
1: Oh, yeah. I was here for it. I binged it in a day. I was like, this this girl. I really liked it. So,
0: Julia Garner is like one of my new favorite actresses because she's phenomenal. She is great. you go to her Instagram page, there is an, uh, a clip of she did a talk show and she did Ruth like from Ozark cuz that she plays that character as well. Mm-hmm. She did yeah. Ruth from Ozark's lines in Anna Sirarkin's like accent and vice versa. Then did like her Anna lines in a Ruth accent and they're so oh, funny. So goodness. if you like both of those and or you just yeah. want to see some quality acting and like accents, go check out her Instagram because yeah, she is just phenomenal. Extremely True.
1: talented. True. And one quick note before I do get into this. Please, I'm apologizing in advance. My neighbors are renoing the entire home. Oh, and good. they, have just two minutes before we started recording, decided to, like, hammer something or just be demolishing something. So I will do my best to remove all the thudding. Okay. But bear with us on this episode, guys. Deal. Today we are going to talk about Shannon Goyat.
0: Okay, we have not covered that, so that's Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, really, so <laughs> really proud of you. Really proud of you. I did Google. Alright, searched it in Spotify. <laughs> so the Goyette family consists of Douglas, Shannon, and Jason, the 14 year old son. Doug's a firefighter, he works at the local fire hall. Jason's your average 14 year old, super into baseball and hanging out with his friends. And Shannon works for the city of Victoria as this case takes place in Victoria and Langford British Columbia
0: oh okay and that is very close to home
1: very close to home so both of them had previously been married and had children from those respective marriages Uh, Doug had two children and Shannon had I believe two as well but only one of which Jason was the younger who was living with them actively at the time. Doug and Shannon met in the early to mid 80s and were kind of in a bit of a whirlwind romance. They ended up getting married and moving in together into Doug's home on Bel Air Road in December of 86. So the home that they currently lived in was obviously Doug's and he had it previously, potentially lived with another wife there, had his family there. So they decided that they were going to get a new home Super you know, fair. Yeah. Start They'd brush. just gotten married. Doug had also adopted Jason legally, so he was his son now. And they just thought, like, you know, we're this new family. Let's get a new beginning. So they ended up yeah, like, this isn't in. our
0: family home, so let's get our own.
1: Right. Right.
0: I know this feeling.
1: We all know this feeling. If you've moved in with a spouse into their home, it never quite feels like yours. And like
0: sometimes you don't have a choice, but if the choice is there, I would definitely prefer to like get my own house and have my own fresh start with like my family. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. I don't think it's that odd. Um, And back to my paper notes. Slippity flip. Their new home was located at 863 diesel bog now you know where Superstore is in langford
0: yeah
1: it's like right behind there there's like a figure eight park that you can walk around oh okay. and along i don't know if you've ever been there but one side of the park there's like a strip of homes and then the other side of the road it's just like a fence into the park so okay. those homes are all looking into the park so essentially they bought one of those homes that lined the street looking into the park okay that's a nice area It's super nice. I lived a couple blocks from there for a while, short term, and I really liked the area. Mm -hmm. Other than the fact that the road at the top of the hill is super busy because it's like Souk Road right there. Right, right. Crazy busy. So with the sale of their previous home, they were able to put down a hefty down payment on this new home. And I, I believe it was about forty grand, which in the 80s, $40,000 for a down payment was, like, the tits.
0: I was going to say, that'll barely get you a house now. But in the 80s, yes, that would have Hell, been a lucrative amount house. of change.
1: <laughs> yeah. And this house is, like, very nice, two stories, garage. Like, it's nothing to bat an eye at. It's a very nice family home about four or five years into the marriage crack started to show Doug and Shannon were starting to grow apart argue a lot and by January 15th of 1992 Shannon had already pulled Doug aside and advised him that he she was looking to get a divorce she was no longer happy in their current situation okay. within two and a half weeks Shannon had reached out to her lawyer and had separation papers drawn up by March 9th which is a birthday for me, they had settled and both signed off on the divorce agreement as well as separation of assets. Wow. That's pretty quick. Yeah, that was really fast.
0: Although I feel like a lot of the time, I don't want to say women because it could go for men too, but I'm going to say women. were efficient. Once you make the choice to leave, like <laughs> yeah. you have probably been mentally out for at least six months. So once you've like actually Easy. made that choice that it's done, 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 you want to get it like over with bye, bye, because bye. we've already been stewing about this for
1: oh yeah at this long. point we probably hate you and we just want you to get the fuck out of our sight. Yeah, like
0: not even necessarily hate you but
1: like we have like made the
0: choice. It's it's done. There's no so like we just want it all wrapped up with a nice little bow so that we can move on. Bye. Yeah.
1: Totally. So within the divorce settlement it was that the first $10,000 from the sale of the home, um, just because it may not come in as a lump sum, uh, it appeared with the way they were selling the home. So once the down payment came in or like a hold came in, he got the first 10 grand, whatever it was. After that, the balance was divided equally between the two of them because he put in the down payment for that original home. He right. was supposed to get a bit more. Essentially. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, they renounced entitlement to remove any claim that they could have on each other's pensions. They both had fairly good jobs. She worked for the government. He worked for the local fire department. So they wanted to protect themselves following this. Doug also agreed to provide medical and dental assistance for Shannon and Jason as long as the policies under his employer both allowed so on renewals. And then the remainder of listed assets were to be taken care of as such, divided, that they came into the relationship with. So they each left with, like, one vehicle each and things like that. Right. Seems pretty fair. Yeah, nothing about the divorce or the separation, so to speak, at this point, like, sounded rough or really tumultuous. Yeah,
0: like, but just based on the separation of assets alone, it seems pretty amicable, but you never really know. Yeah. I agree. Of course, like there's always stuff that goes on behind the scenes that nobody knows about. And like they got divorced for a reason, whether that was they just weren't into it anymore and were just like friends and platonic or, you know, they fought all the
1: time. There was a reason, so. There's always a reason. There's always a reason. Always a reason. It's never a mannequin. June 17th, 1992. Shannon is driving Jason partway to school. As we said, he's a teenager. It sounds like living in Langford. She drops him off at an intersection near his school. He walks the rest of the way. She gets on the highway and heads downtown because she, as we said, works for the Ministry of Transportation, and that's on Blanchard Street. So quite a ways downtown Victoria. Yeah. And for anyone who lives here knows that at the time, traffic from Langford to town has probably always been an issue.
0: Yeah. For sure.
1: Yes. During her lunch break, she met up with a friend of hers who worked at the Eaton Center. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, Eaton's was like a major department store, but they also would have like full centers as well as stores. Um, so what we would now know, I believe, as the Bay Center it used to be considered the Eaton Center, where Eaton's was the biggest store in there. Therefore, making it the Eaton Center.
0: I see. So it's like a mall with a gigantic Eaton's.
1: Yeah. So imagine the Bay Center, but it's Eaton's instead of the Bay. Yeah. So Eaton's has a store on every floor. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Sha, sha, sha. Yeah, it's like a three level. Basically, the Bay has one half of it and other stores yeah. have the other half of it.
1: That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So she meets her friend, Joan. They walk around Eaton's for a while Uh, Shannon was searching for a new pair of shoes. She was also looking for a blouse to go with a purple skirt that she actually had with her to try to match something. A sales associate at Suzy Shear advised that she had showed them the article of clothing and asked their opinion looking for something that would match this item. I don't know exactly where she was going or what she had to dress up for, but I thought it was really cute that she brought the skirt in the store and was like, I just need to find the perfect blouse. I was going to say, that's cute. And also
0: Susie Shear. Right? I miss
1: Susie There was Shear. some nostalgia in this when I was going Seriously. through and there was talking. About things. Uh, 90s kids. Um, she left the store and she had purchased a floral blouse and silver earrings, which I think with a purple skirt sounds beautiful. She headed back to work. She was going to wrap up her day. There was kind of varying references of what she was supposed to do after work that day from the people she had run into or talked to throughout the day. Some said she was supposed to go to her son's baseball game. Others said she was going to have drinks with girlfriends. It kind of sounds like it was a bit of both as we get into it. Um, So they're not really inaccurate. However, I don't really feel like she ever went to a baseball game with her son. I don't think he actually had a baseball game that night from the sounds of it. Okay. Okay. That night, Shannon was supposed to meet her friend, Diane Jenkins, around 7 p.m. at Diane's house. They were actually going to be going over floor plans for Diane's basement because Diane, like, friend of the year award here, was going to let Shannon pay to renovate her basement and let Shannon and Jason move in to the basement. Oh, wow, that's So nice. Shannon got to do the renovations to how she wanted and pay for them, and Whoa. then she could just, her and Jason could just move in and live there. That's nice. Right? That seems like such a nice setup. A quality I mean, friend. yeah, your friend gets a new basement, but she it sounds like she had no set time frame to live there or not live there for. So it was just, that was going to be her new home. Perfect. Yeah. Shannon said after work that she would eat, quickly run home, switch her laundry, and then she would be there. So as we mentioned, around 7 p.m., give or take. Jason was supposed to be actually attending a barbecue that night from everything I could read, not a baseball game. And so he went to play with friends after school, and then when his mom got home from work, she was supposed to be driving him to the softball game because he hadn't seen her since 8.15 that morning when she dropped him off at the intersection to go to school. He did call home midday, and he actually tried to bail on the barbecue. (laughs) Apparently, he was just like, I don't want to go. Do I have to? And when he called home, he only got to talk to his dad, Doug, And he's like, no, buddy, like, your mom wants you to go to the barbecue. I have a feeling it was, like, his baseball team's barbecue, from the sounds of it, because he was hanging out with friends after school, and it sounded like he had to leave his friends to go to the barbecue. So I think that's why he was like, do I have to go to the barbecue? Fair, so he was like, no, thank you, I'm having
0: fun, and also FOMO.
1: Totally. And his dad's like, no, bro, you you heard your mom, you're going to the barbecue, get your ass home, I'll drive you, she'll drive you, we'll get you to the barbecue. (laughs) I love that he was like do I have to (laughs) So Jason got home from School slash hanging out with his friends Around 4.45 and his Dad actually drove him to the barbecue although His mom said she would be home to do so She just wasn't home from work yet so they assumed She was running late He then calls home around 7pm And his dad picks up the phone And coordinates to come pick him up from the Barbecue So he picks him up And then when they Well this is the best part they go to the video rental store didn't oh. specify which one he got to pick out a movie and a video game score
0: which was always so fun
1: oh like when you had a sick Even day and you'd get you get to rent a out? movie what did you ever have a sick day and your mom would take you to rent a movie or your mom would go rent you a movie because you were homesick oh my mom would always rent me mary kate Ashley movies when i was homesick <laughs>
0: If I was homesick, I wasn't allowed to go to skating, so I was rarely homesick from school unless I, like, literally couldn't get out of bed, in which case I wasn't watching a movie. So, mm-hmm. no. Not me. <laughs> I also liked Disney movies when I was sick as a kid. I would always, like, revert back to being a small child and want to watch, like, The Fox and the Hound because I didn't feel good. I need a popsicle. Help yeah, me. me. I need to go.
1: Help me. So also when he's on the phone with his dad around 7 before he comes to pick him up, his dad also says, uh, Monica Wiley called. And all throughout it just kept saying Monica Wiley called. So I kept feeling like it was something important. But no, it was just one of Jason's friends. Oh. (laughs) Yeah. So him and Doug are in the car. They go to the video store. By 7.30 they get home and Shannon is still not there. Hmm. Very odd. Not not like her at all. So they stay up, they play video games till about eleven PM and then Jason goes to bed. The morning of the eighteenth, she's still not home. And about two and a half minutes down the road at three three two four Hazelwood Street in Colwood. And for anyone who doesn't know the area, Langford and Colwood are essentially like conjoined twins of I was cities. Gonna say, they're like they're, the same thing it's pretty much like there's a road that divides them and like the two left lanes and the two right lanes are in opposing cities. Like there isn't a divide between them really. Mm -hmm. So two and a half minutes down the road isn't actually just like a different town. So to speak, it could just be across an intersection, which in this case it, it was. (laughs) Yeah. Patrick Rosen finds a red firebird in his driveway. It wasn't there the day before around 4 PM when he got home from work. And he doesn't recall seeing it before he went to bed, although it was super dark out. He It could have been there. Yeah. But he only knows it was there for sure as of waking up that morning.
0: Not to mention you're not going around looking for random cars in your driveway before you go
1: to bed. I don't look I into personally my driveway. Don't. No. Yeah. Like, you're, you and me, our driveways are kind of weird to our homes, and you'd have to go out of your way to check your driveway. Or, Correct. like, go into your bedroom and, like, look out your window and be like driveway's clear. Yeah. I just don't ever think to assume someone else's vehicle is going to be in my driveway or that I need to check for it. Correct. Uh... Uh-huh. Oddly enough, Patrick was waiting for family to come visit him. His niece from California was coming in to stay with him for a little bit. So he thought when he woke up, maybe she had arrived really early or in the middle of the night and she had just slept in her car to not bother him. Mm, So he goes out to the car, looks in it. There's no luggage, no sign that it's his niece's car. And there's nobody in it. I was
0: going to say, and there's no person. Okay.
1: No, there's no one in it. And from everything I can hear from Patrick's account... There was really nothing else suspicious about it. It almost just maybe looked like someone had just parked in the wrong driveway. Okay. That would
0: still be so weird.
1: It would be, because you wouldn't, like, walk to your friends. You wouldn't, like, call them and be like, hey, I'm at the wrong house or whatever, and then just leave your car. Right, I'd be like, what? (laughs) What is this? (laughs) This is so strange. Right? 8.30 that morning, Mrs. Wright, who is running a company computer course... For Shannon's work, she actually, um, because it's run off-site, it's it's a little bit of a different day where her regular coworkers and employees wouldn't necessarily know her schedule the same way, because she never actually had to go into the office that morning. She went straight to an off-site computer course with this Mrs. Wright lady, and she actually reaches out because she's looking for Shannon because she's now late for the course, so she's asking other people there and friends her co-workers like do you know this woman is this normal like we can wait a minute blah 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 right her friends and co-worker Valerie Irwin start to call her between 9 th- or 830 and 930 and they actually get a hold of her house but they speak with Jason he said that she's not there and kind of mentions in passing that she didn't come home the night before and at that point she said that she heard Doug in the background pipe up saying like she already left for work And that was it, sir. So, yeah, did she though? Did she? Okay. Although, when he was asked about this later, Jason didn't recall Doug piping up at all, or really this transaction being like this, or maybe even the call happening like at all. His recollection of this instant is really off. And how old is he at this point? Fourteen. Okay. He's 14 and it's, like, 8.30 in the morning. Like, give him a Okay. Break. But, like, also, did it happen that way? We'll see. We'll get there. I guess we're gonna find out. Yeah. Around noon that day, Valerie would actually speak with Doug again. Because he calls to ask if his wife was there. And this part, I find super weird. He asks if she's there because... She's supposed to be going to a planned lunch with her parents, and her parents called Doug to ask him to call her to get like an ETA. At this point, I
0: can't stand Doug.
1: No, Doug's just kind of like, a like Doug, you know fucknut. that she's like, essentially, being useless, she's even essentially, if he's not
0: involved. She's missing at this point,
1: and Doug's just like, oh, yeah, sure. But keep in mind, like, they're legally separated. That doesn't they matter. They just are still living in the house waiting for it to sell. So maybe he's not as in, I'm not defending her. I'm just saying, like... Her child was. living you're in there. Powell, maybe you would do something just without thinking for them. But I just... I had a hard time believing.
0: I feel like this is really nonchalant for somebody not coming home after work overnight. Which is something that they never do. Their child is there.
1: Mm-mm. Like, they've just gotten Mm-mm. separated, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. He goes on to say that he waited up until midnight for her, and that about a month earlier, he had actually just kind of taken off and disappeared for, like, a long weekend away. He went to Toronto. Yeah. So he disappeared for four days, and he literally said, maybe this is just her doing it back to me.
0: Oh, my goodness. No. Okay.
1: Doug is not looking great for me, but maybe uh, maybe he'll prove me wrong. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe not. A realtor and friend of Doug's, Richard Sims, came by the house just after noon that day and he was going to present an offer on the house. Because as we mentioned, they're trying to sell the house, they've separated. Right. He brings up a, and this is actually a follow-up offer as well. The original offer came in two days earlier, and I guess they countered, so this is him bringing the new offer to the table. Okay. Take note of that. <laughs> Upon arrival, he finds Doug pacing back and forth on the phone, saying that Shannon never came home, he appeared to have been crying, his face was puffy, his speech was broken, and he seemed very on edge. Now it is to note that at the last time Shannon was seen by friends and Doug and Jason, she was wearing her typical, like, big blonde silvery hair, kind of pulled back. She was kind of known for this big elaborate hair she had. And if you look up her picture, she has amazing 80s hair. I was going to say in the 80s. My mom had huge hair in the 80s. Yeah, and Doug has, like, this massive unibrow and looks like a caveman. (laughs) She's wearing a blue jean dress, which I think just sounds adorable, and a little white sweater over her shoulders. I <laughs> think she sounds adorable. Throughout the day, Doug is continuously, you know, pacing around, looking for her, doing the usual. By eight thirty p.m., police have done a thorough search of the Firebud and Firebird and taken it into possession. There were two sets of fingerprints on the car. Diane Jenkins and one of an undetermined thumbprint on a window. Another person that per, that police were looking to speak with at the time was Greg Barnes.
0: Okay, who's Greg? Greg
1: Barnes is someone who had actually dated Shannon like 17 years earlier, um, when they were like late teens, I guess. Yeah, so... If I ever go missing,
0: please don't contact any of my exes from my late teens.
1: Well, there's a reason I'm getting to it. I'm sure there is. I'm just like, please don't.
0: In the last couple
1: months, because obviously they had been separated since March. So in the last couple months, they had kind of like reconnected and just been like talking and actually met up twice Uh, um, just to like rekindle like a connection with each other. So I think the idea was that she was maybe going to look at dating him once she had her own place and life was more settled
0: yeah
1: yeah so they had like for like the hot minute had been like kind of a friendly item again which was cute. barnes and i is having an actual affair with shannon though they were only reconnecting um and this was only following her divorce in march as we said they had only met up twice one of which most recently had been about a week before she went missing Although Barnes was able to account for like his entire day, he said that he couldn't remember if he went straight to work that day or he had small claims court that day, but he could look it up and figure out if that was the day. Either way, he would have gone from small claims straight to work. And so he would have worked till about 6 p.m. Now it said that he worked at the fire hall and I'm hoping to sweet Jesus they didn't work at the same fire hall because doug was also a fireman so like this could have just been so awkward this whole time oh my goodness
0: yeah no kidding i feel like no matter what though firefighter communities are pretty small like everybody knows everybody yeah. and like you don't have to work at the same one for that to still be like a fan. no i
1: guess not right. <laughs> good food is canada's number one meal kit service that delivers right to your door good food makes cooking fun easy and affordable
0: They offer different meal plans to fit your needs like Vegetarian, Clean 15, Easy Prep, and the most popular basket, the Classic Basket.
1: Every recipe is packed with fresh produce that comes directly from farmers and with Good Food, you can skip the trip to the grocery store and have everything you need to make your curated meals delivered straight to your door. Sign up for Good Food today using the code FREEPODCASTBYPROXY to get your first classic box for free. That's FREEPODCASTBYPROXY
0: when creating your Good Food account to get a classic box on us. Hi friends,
1: if you like what you hear and you want to get even more content from us, we're officially live on Patreon. Patreon is a subscription service where you can get early access to our regular episodes, get bonus episodes, live Q&A sessions, and more. Visit the link in this episode description to learn more and sign up. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Podcast by Katie and I are so appreciative of every single one of you for
0: being here with us. If you wanna support us even more, don't forget to hit the follow button wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Growing the show means we will be able to invest more time into bringing you more stories like the one you're hearing today. Oh, Canada, a vast idyllic land filled with beavers, loons, lumberjacks, and polite, friendly folks. We have those things for sure, but there's a darker side to the great white North full of mystery, crime, the paranormal, and dark history. Join me, Mike Brown, and co host Matthew Stockton every Monday for the Dark Poutine podcast as we tell dark stories from north of the 49th parallel with the Ottaway game covering more international cases. You can listen to Dark Poutine for free wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
1: So he said he worked there till about 6 p.m. From there, he would have gone to his second job where he worked for Allied Towing. From there, awesome. he knew that he. Yeah, right? <laughs> but he's working. Work. He knew that when he had gone to work there at about 630, that that night he was driving a truck from, like, in town, Souk area, or in town at Langford, out to the Butler Pit lot out in Souk. So he was pretty accounted for because people could actually account for him checking in out in Souk and coming back. On his way back in, he stopped at a friend's house, and his friend does confirm that he was there about 9pm, stopped in for 45 minutes or so. Uh, and by ten thirty, the truck was already returned to the shop. So his days pretty accounted for with timestamps. Also, a fellow driver did confirm that he was the one that did the handoff with him and actually gave him keys like right at six thirty. So yeah, so he had I a busy day. He was hustling. he was busy. Yeah, unlike Doug, who's like, you have to go to the barbecue. Your mom said. Legit, so why were you yeah. at home in the middle of the day when he called anyway? <laughs> Get Not a hustling, job. Clearly. No. So yeah, probability that he was involved. It's like fairly I don't think low. So. It sounds like
0: there's never an It's never impossible, especially if he's like driving trucks and stuff. Like realistically, you could.
1: Yeah, and I mean that was my next note is. Like where she. I can hear your dog. I'm gonna need to take
0: five and see why. <laughs> One eternity later. Sorry for the brief interruption. Our stickers arrived. Ah, That's who Real that time was. update, people. The FedEx guy at my door getting demolished by my crazy dog, but yay for stickers.
1: Demolished. Oh so
0: God. I will be packaging those up then this weekend for anybody who signed up for Patreon or anybody who I've talked to. Um, anyway, let's get back to this, but just thought I'd
1: throw it out there. Real time update, though. That's exciting. Yeah. I was just agreeing with your last point, though, about being a trucker, you're pretty mobile in the sense that he was driving through Langford, which is where she was, you know, last seen or potentially missing from, so to speak. Yeah. Also, he was driving a tow truck, so he could have moved her car. 100%. So, there are things that still raise some red flags, although his timeline's pretty strict and tight that I don't know if he would have time to have done anything in that as well. Fair. Personally. During Barnes's interview, he also asked authorities if they wanted to know, quote, his gut feeling. Which is never a great thing. You don't really want to be offering options. Yeah. Here's my theory. Just don't. He said, quote, I think she's laying in a ditch somewhere.
0: Okay. So let's get searching all the ditches then.
1: Since Shannon had gone missing, Jason was staying with friends and his grandparents mostly. And on June 28th, this would have been, I believe, uh, about two Saturdays after. Doug had plans to go pick up Jason and spend the day with him, and they were going to be spending kind of like the weekend together, because now that, I don't know, I guess things have probably calmed down a bit. Like, he's got his head straight a little bit, and he's not working on the weekends, so it's his time to spend with Jason. He picks them up. They go to McDonald's for lunch. Jason was being your typical 14-year-old. The second they got back to the house, he is on the phone with his friends, making plans, chatting to girls. And without really paying too much attention, he remembers that while he was on the phone, Doug was making, like, just a shit ton of noise in the garage and irritating him, kind of. Fair. Okay. So he's like, I can't hear my conversations. Yeah, I'm trying to talk to my
0: friends! Yeah, legit. Yeah. The only reason a 14-year-old would notice that, if it's interrupting what they're doing.
1: Totally. (laughs) Then he notices the noise stops for a little bit. He continues his conversation. While he's pacing around, you know, chatting on the phone like you do as a teenager, he looks out the window Um, And this is when he sees that Doug is kneeling in the grass, like, ripping at the grass and, like, hitting it and just, like, screaming. So a neighbor, Mrs. Harvey, who was actually standing outside when they had just gotten home a few minutes earlier and was standing outside with her son, they both kind of rush over to where he is. And they see Doug has now stepped into the ditch because he was picking up garbage in his yard. And so, yeah... Super weird. He's, like, out there with a garbage bag, and he's, like, goddamn kids in their garbage, and he's just, like, out in his yard. He's typical old man, just, like, picking up garbage in his
0: yard. Yeah. It sounds like. I mean, save the environment, but, okay. Yeah. I'm taking note.
1: So he steps down into the ditch, just beside his house. <laughs> I see you see the word ditch, and you're like, uh, he's down in the ditch. She cannot see what Doug is doing or holding, because he's kind of standing over it, and he's a really big guy. But her son and him are, are. Her son and herself are both like, What's wrong, Doug? What's going on? How yeah. can we help? Like, say something. Like, what and are he are just you like doing? won't reply. Can I he's help? He's just like you? freaking out.
0: Oh boy, okay.
1: Because he won't reply, and at this point he's borderline hyperventilating, crying, and screaming all at the same time, they decide to just call 911. Mark. They've asked him repeatedly, he's frozen and freaking out. Police arrive super quick. Doug directs him to a white plastic bag that he's found in the ditch, and in that white plastic bag is Shannon's head. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts, but okay. Tell me a few of your thoughts. We'll get into it, but tell me a few So of
0: you called and you laid a plot line or you had a conversation with the police and laid a plot line of what you thought happened and then you created the scenario, hyperventilated and we're like, oh my God, I found her. She just happened to be outside in the ditch in bags.
1: I didn't say bags. There's well, just one.
0: I'm sure that the rest of her is somewhere. Somewhere. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but come on, man.
1: No. Come on. So the severed head is sent immediately to Victoria General Hospital, where Dr. Carrie Pringle confirms through dental records and x-ray that it is, in fact, Shannon. Shannon's hair, as we've mentioned, it used to be big and voluminous and just, like, raw lion, silver mane. It was beautiful. Uh, It was cut, like, two inches from her scalp all over just no like chop, chopped away at like hacked away at and there was just mud and dirt and gunk and everything in the bag in matted to the little bit of hair she still had huh
0: that's brutal
1: mm-hmm.
0: but i feel like that's like a so if she took a lot of pride in her hair like that's a personal attack right to cut it all off
1: Oh, for sure. I think it was something that you found very, like, attractive or brought yeah. you a lot of confidence for that to be something that somebody takes from you. Yeah. For sure. It feels super personal. Yeah. Yeah. The head had been removed from the body through many cuts with a knife. The Most of the incisions were made between C2 and C3, just below the jawline. And many small bones in the jaw had actually been fractured uh, near the right ear. Um, I couldn't find for sure if this was potentially from someone, and I know this sounds morbid, but like holding down her head post-mortem, trying to like cut, or if it was an attack. And at this time, we have no body. We don't know a cause of death. Yeah, fair. Along with the pathologists, A forensic entomologist is also brought in because, as we mentioned, we don't have a body. So we need other forms to be highly accurate on time of death and everything else we can figure out. We love the bug people. We love the bug people. So the pathologist originally thought that during the days that she was missing and could have potentially have been murdered or attacked that it was hovering around 20 degrees Celsius and they wanted to ensure that the precise time of death was accurate based on their findings. Dr. Gail Anderson, the forensic entomologist that was brought in, reported that Shannon likely died three to five days earlier according to the pathologist, but on further review, the fly larvae found and the temperatures confirmed were closer to 18.4 degrees Celsius and that would mean that Shannon would have been murdered no later than the 20th. Okay. So earlier, like, we're saying she's found on the 28th. 28th,
0: right? Yeah. And so that
1: would put her time, her date of death, like, so much closer. Right. Whereas now she's saying, like, no, she has definitely been dead based on the state of the larvae found in the wounds and the scalp itself. For, like, a week. That it's much longer than that, and she was likely murdered the day that she went missing, even. Yeah. Which, like...
0: M- makes sense. Like, I hate to say that, but it makes sense.
1: Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. June 30th, Doug goes to his bank and discusses his, his mortgage with the assistant branch manager. The payment is due in, like, 48 hours. It's going to come out on Friday, and he knows that he doesn't have the money for it. Yeah. He was insured by the assistant manager that when they had heard of the death, they had put a block on the file and this informs him that no payments come out and that the account is placed under review for mortgage insurance. Okay. Once he has the death certificate, he's sent it to the insurance company and the payments would be reviewed as an active claim due to a death in the family and a reduce in income and potentially wiped out, just like if you lose your job and your credit card, right? Like, mm-hmm. There are certain loopholes to these. By October of 1992, Doug had applied for a new passport. He had been known to ask the women at the local Colwood Library about extradition treaties and if they knew anything about it. Okay. The next dumbest thing from Googling something, and I get that Google wasn't necessarily relevant to him, but it's asking someone it.
0: Yeah, it's just all very... Doug doesn't just... is He's just... He doesn't seem very methodical... Right. Bright. This doesn't seem well thought out. Like maybe it was thought out but not well, you know what I mean? I just Yeah. Like there was think, there was thought here, but it wasn't good thought. It was not No, it it was like just,
1: why he knew his limit and he played within it. I know we use that sentence yeah. a lot, but like mm-hmm. it's just the way it is. Yeah. The best but, part know. is when the woman kinda said like, why do you want to know that? Ha ha he went, oh, I'm just looking for a friend who would be in another country and it would probably be a country that didn't extradite to Canada. So
0: Doug invented asking for a
1: friend, is yeah, what you're saying. pretty much. I'm asking for a friend. Asking for a friend, duh. I also remember once when we were younger... I vividly remember this. My mom smelled cigarettes on my brother's fingers and my brother tried to say he was holding a cigarette for a friend. Oh yeah, that's like (laughs) the most
0: classic excuse in the book. My friends were smoking weed. I wasn't smoking weed.
1: Yeah. (laughs) He also, on other occasions, asked... Or made passing comments along the lines of, I wish to know which countries do and don't have extradition treaties with Canada. Just like to other people, like, "Mm, I wish I knew. I bet you do. Yeah, I'm sure you do. At this time, Doug's older son, Guy, and I will say their last name is spelled G-U-Y-A-T-T, and I was hoping it wasn't Guyatt, because I was like, you named your son Guy, so his name is Guy Guyatt. That's why I was like, Guyatt? Steve Stevenson? My imaginary friend when I was a kid was John Johnson. That's. But he wasn't like imaginary like I hung out with him. I would just, it was like someone I would pretend to phone. That's amazing. Yeah. He was my boy. So you were avoiding
0: <laughs> personal contact even back then.
1: Oh, from day one I knew I was not leaving the house.
0: <laughs> even her imaginary friend was virtual, guys. Yeah, at the age of
1: eight I was already in COVID mode. That's so funny. Yeah. Distant meeting. (laughs) So, Guy comes to visit. He's Doug's son from his first marriage, so he's quite a bit older. He has some interesting information to bring to the table. He had asked his dad when he was there in passing, like, hey, can I grab 20 bucks from you kind of thing? And he... Goes into this room with his dad, and his dad, like, pulls open a drawer to hand him the cash, and there's, like, a bunch of it in there, so Guy kind of, like, sneaks back in later and, like, counts it, because he kind of thought it was weird that his dad would have such a big stash of money. Sure. It turned out to be just shy of five grand just sitting in a drawer. Okay. Which, for someone who can't afford their mortgage payment... Right. Like, huh, just say young...
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, like, in the 80s, I can definitely see holding more cash it was more common back then to do so but you literally just said that he had no money to pay his mortgage and i imagine it was less than five grand so
1: yeah guy also discusses that when he's interviewed or questioned that his dad has allegations against him that he potentially had sexually assaulted his stepdaughter tanya which would have been shannon's I believe, older daughter or daughter from another marriage. The information about Tanya is very limited. Okay. Um, I can only imagine she was likely a minor at the time it happened. I was going to say. And that's why she was no longer in the home with them. Yeah. Yeah. So I really didn't want to dig into her information too much. However, his son does bring it to the table as information that could be a reason why Doug is stressing or has these weights on his shoulder.
0: Doug be looking worse and worse. Yeah. I don't think I was wrong about Doug. Just saying, guys. I don't think you're
1: right. Following up with the money, he kind of mentions to his dad, like, Hey, why you got all that money there, bro? And he kind of implies that if he was to be arrested for either Shannon's murder or Tanya's assault, that he would flee. (laughs) Like, he would leave the jurisdiction and just boogie out of town. So why are you telling people this shit? I don't know. It's for a rainy day. Say it's for Shannon's funeral. I don't
0: know. Because I feel like when you're holding that kind of information in, it, like, eats alive at you and you just need, like, to blurt out whatever it is you possibly can. I feel like we see that a lot in these cases and it's just yeah basic human nature where you physically cannot hold it in anymore. Which is why so many you people bust. end up screwing <laughs> themselves over because they're just, like have a moment of weakness, and blurt out stupid shit.
1: Yeah. And you usually tell it to someone you're dating after a while, and you really trust them, and then when you break up with them, they frequently go to the police. Or that. Yeah. June 2nd, 1993, so a whole year later, a search warrant is finally executed on Doug's house because there's enough means and gathered evidence to gain the actual search warrant itself, and at this time is when Doug was arrested. Police called him ahead of the search warrant and did tell him that this was going to be happening just before. And the reason they actually did this is because they wanted to sit back and watch if he would flee. It's a lot easier to just grab him when they can see that he's fleeing and go, well, now we can detain you, no problem. You're a flight risk.
0: 100%. Yeah, you gotta let him (laughs) fuck up.
1: Yeah, so yeah. rather than just showing up with a search warrant when you're worried someone's going to hide evidence, it's like, it's already been a year. If he no. wants to clean the house, he's going to clean the fucking house. Let's
0: just see if we can catch him running away, too. That yeah, could be Yeah, like, fun. can
1: we scare him instead? <laughs> yeah. They're like, hey, Doug, Boo! <laughs> Just be, like, run.
0: Well, on a more serious note, you have a lot, like, more leverage on a person if you can catch them doing something like that, right? Like, you...
1: Yeah, like, if you didn't do it, then why'd you try to run? Right, yeah. There, It's, yeah.
0: it's an angle
1: that you can use. Without a doubt. Needless to say, he doesn't go anywhere. Okay. Doug's kind of lazy. He decides, I'm not going to run. <laughs> there is... A paper that was found in the bag with Shannon's head that they're looking to find the similar paper throughout the home because they're thinking that could be something that maybe he used part of and shoved the rest in a drawer somewhere and we might be able to match the paper Mm -hmm. that they were not able to find it at the time of the search. Did they search the garage? They searched the entire home. Okay, yeah. FBI agent David Attenberger was also brought in for an expert opinion on the, like, Glad kitchen catcher bag that was used to transport the head. So the bag contained, um, like, the same overall look, color, size, all the process to it being made. And he was able to confirm that the bag was actually used in the crime and it would have been taken or made in production within five minutes of two other bags that he was able to locate in the home. So this is, like, one of the only bags in Canada that punches serial numbers on the bag. But oddly enough, the serial number on the bag that was used was, like, all stretched out and you couldn't read it. Mm -hmm. But because the batches of bags are done, like, so precisely and sealed with, like, a hot knife, every 15 minutes that knife is cleaned because it gets so much buildup on it. So they were able to figure out, based on, like, the knife cuts in the bag, because of the way the residue builds up, every batch of bags is different. So this guy was able to literally say, like, I can see that these two bags were made in order, and this bag would have been made right after it. That's wild. Because once the brush is cleaned, the patterns are all different again.
0: And, like with a kitchen garbage bag? That's so crazy. Like and cool. literally
1: like a glad kitchen catcher. That's white wild. kitchen bag. That's really cool. I'm never going to look at one the same. Neato anymore. police work. Totally. FBI for the win. Like that's really cool. Totally. I thought it was like super neat. And the reason why it also does this is because, like, although it's, like, a heated blade, the plastic gets close enough to it that it, like, melts before it actually touches it. So Uh that's why it also melts in a weird pattern. And you can, like, watch how it, like, burnt along all the bags. And then they're separated this way. And, like, you'd have to be so meticulous.
0: And, like, it would probably take you so long to do that. Damn. I know. Proud of you, buddy.
1: FBI is coming for Doug. Totally. Shockingly at trial, Doug testifies because he's a piece of hot garbage. I mean,
0: we have de- de- determined he is not super smart.
1: Right? Like, but he you don't testify. I was going to say,
0: like... I think that most of the time, uh, defendants are advised not to. Like, I don't think defense lawyers really put people on the stand unless there's, like, no choice but to. Um, and then there's obviously people, like, he probably asked to. He was probably like, oh, yeah, no, I definitely need to get up I there. I gotta tell my I could, story. I gotta tell my story. Yeah. I gotta tell my story.
1: Yeah. And, like, you, everything that you've said has already been, like, not this. in your favor, so. Yeah, no, this guy is a piece of just, like, hot, steaming, waste-of-skin garbage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, When he's on the stand, in his defense, he says, Well, no, Shannon called me at 3.40 on June 17th, and we talked about Jason attending the barbecue, and we, like, checked in with each other. Shannon told him that she was shoe shopping, and then she was going to grab some lunch, which is true. He said that he dropped Jason off at the barbecue, like, around 4 p.m., then he says he went to the video, a few different video game stores, but just browsed. He said then he was watching local news at 6 p.m. at home and fell asleep. That's when Monica Wiley called and woke him up with the phone ringing. And about six thirty seven p.m. Jason called him to get picked up from the party or barbecue. So up until this point, it's... Separate timelines, separate stories, because they're not together. From here out, uh, Jason really does corroborate the rest of his evening. They go back to the video game store. They play games for the night. However, now, once Jason goes to bed, Doug says that he actually waited up till 2 a.m., whereas earlier in reports, he said he only stayed up till 12. Mm -hmm. So now there's two hours of him awake at night that's unaccounted for. And he says at 9 a.m. the next day, he woke up to find that Shannon still wasn't home. When he walked into the kitchen, he saw, or into the room where Jason was, he saw Jason just hanging up the phone, so he didn't have an opportunity to yell in the background of a phone call, according to this, and apparently it was someone for his mom, and Jason had told her that he, that she just left for work. Doug didn't yell in the background that she just left for work, which is weird, but I think it's just a simple mistake on the lady who talked to them. Fair. Because she did talk to dug a few times throughout that day, so it could have just been a simple mistake. And honestly, I feel
0: like that's, like, the most minuscule part about all the evidence against you, so that's fine. Yeah. But there's a lot of holes there, like, oh, I just, like, went to a few video stores by myself and walked around, or, like, I had a nap. Like, those aren't alibis. why'd you go to a
1: video store if you were gonna be going there a few hours later with Jason?
0: Right, like, those aren't alibis. No. So.
1: And... I could not find if anyone was able to corroborate through like CCTV that he was actually at the video stores or if that in was the just 80s. Also it's in Langford. There is what, like two thumbs up rentals, which is I think it's still there, but it like it's like half video store, half laundromat, half post office now because right. you know, business has gotta hustle. <laughs>
0: yeah, fair because video rental stores are dying or dead. R. I. P. Yeah. endangered species. <sighs>
1: So even though the two of them didn't share a room because they had separated, he obviously just, like, went into her room to be like, Hey, are you here? What's going on? He says. He notices that her room's kind of untouched, and when he peeks into the bathroom around the corner, he notices that, like, the shower's not wet. No one's used the bathroom that morning. It's usually pretty obvious. I'm assuming they have a glass shower. (laughs)
0: I know when Brandon uses the shower in the morning because he leaves the shower curtain open and I am anal about it being closed.
1: I go back and forth because sometimes I think it being open makes my bathroom look bigger. I have a weird but then thing I like about the, tidiness like, the shower of it curtain being needs to like, air out. Oh yeah, it'll get mildewy if you never flatten it out. Yeah, and like I bought a
0: cute, nice shower curtain so that... People can look at it instead of the but inside of my ugly bathtub, which isn't ugly. But don't but you like, have
1: it lined?
0: Yeah, but I just pull it over. Pull the whole thing across.
1: Okay. Totally irrelevant right now, and we're already hitting the hour mark. Super so let's, let's keep this Doug Dung Beetle ball rolling here. Isn't
0: Doug Dung Beetle.
1: Doug does decide to, on the stand note... To the jury and the people of the courtroom that recently Shannon had actually been spending a lot of time out and been having late nights with a friend named, quote, Nancy. Okay. (laughs) Some lady named Nancy. He's like, she has been out a lot lately, you know. Maybe you should find Nancy. (laughs) Where was Nancy a year ago when this case started? Legit. This is when he thought of the idea that she was, like, getting back at him for the four days he spent away because she found out that he was in Toronto with another woman, but they were already separated and she had initiated the divorce, so I don't know why she was probably pretty happy for him to be gone for four days. Yeah. Like, beat it. And again, she left you. Yeah. Literally beat it. She doesn't have to do anything now. She's not married to you anymore. She could go away for four days and it's not getting back at you. It's She's having a little her time Yeah When Doug called her office at 9.30 Okay now this is where things get weird Listen to how these details are just ever so slightly different from the first timeline When Doug called her office at 9.30 to check where she was That's when he was told that she was on course And that he had no idea where the course was He just knew that she was working and she wasn't in the office that day Which is weird because before he says he calls there Right if he had the number. Later that day, he speaks with Diane, who informs her that she never showed up to visit last night at 7 p.m., which was weird already. And then when he starts calling around to other people, he reaches out to Shannon's mother because they're about to have lunch and asks her to call him once she shows up to lunch, which seems like a much more practical thing. If you call someone and say, hey, I'm kind of worried. Can you just let me know that they're safe? Mm-hmm. Whereas it's not her mom saying, can you call to check if she's here to get an ETA for me? No, that's fucking weird. That is weird. He testifies that Mr. Kemmel, who is an associate of Shannon's at work, that they have a conversation later and he advises that she never showed up to her computer course either. He calls the woman at the course to confirm, I... I'm assuming that he just got the information from that guy because he said he didn't even know where it was before. So now he's calling the computer course lady and wondering where she is and confirming that she never showed up. It's at this point that he starts calling local hospitals and police, he says. Now, Sims, the realtor, also testified that Doug had made a bunch of comments saying, like, it would be cheaper to just kill her. Um... I would rather just kill her than give her anything. Oh, okay. Jason also came forward in trial saying that Doug was pretty terrible to Shannon in the last few months of the marriage and just weeks before she went missing that he had actually struck her. Like, and Jason saw or knew about it. And along with the other already compelling people that have taken the stand... A former co-worker of Doug's from the fire hall, William Edgington, he had disclosed that in this weird conversation with Doug, that Doug said that they were going to counseling, he didn't want to separate, that they were working on things, and that Shannon was going to give him six more months.
0: Well, I don't think that she was because she filed for divorce.
1: Well, in the same conversation he says he started taking Valium to help with all the stress and that, on the flip side of it, if she leaves, she gets $25,000 from the sale of the house as well as cars and jewelry when she brought nothing to the marriage. So it didn't seem fair and he would flip-flop between working things out with her and maybe it would just be easier to take her out of the equation altogether. That's nice. Saying things like, I'd rather kill her than give her anything... And others reported similar statements, like, I would rather kill her than see her get anything of mine. He even ran into Doug, sorry, William did, ran into Doug, like, after making those accounts and telling authorities that. He ran into him at work before Doug was arrested. And Doug literally just kind of, like, snarked, like, snickered at him and was like, come on, I'm not really that crazy, Billy. I didn't do it. No, no. And then he just tells him that there's no hard feelings for reporting him.
0: <laughs> Billy's like, okay, man, we are never going to be friends again. Toodles.
1: No. To recap, the defense argues, or sorry, the prosecution argues that she was an unhappy wife leaving her husband already. He felt that she came to the marriage with nothing and was leaving with what was his. After speaking to co-workers that day That he really just snapped That was it And that when she got home to change and switch laundry He saw her and he killed her It is to note that They found the Susie Shear shirt that she got Like already hung up in the closet So that does indicate that she actually did make it home So they were able to verify that she did Whereas he said she never made it home Right, so that she did get home Yeah it was also come to light that a positive ID was needed to have been made for him to be able to get the mortgage insurance. So this is why the theory is that he only needed her skull. He didn't need her whole body to get the insurance payout. So after he disposed of the body, found out he needed her skull, he then essentially could have gone and got her skull back. What a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. On June 21st, during the initial search, he actually found out that police would could do a positive ID with only a skull, too. Seven days later, her head shows up in the ditch outside their house, and he's like, Oh, look what I found. Shocker! Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, Doug sucks. He's the worst. Yeah.
1: He suddenly was, like, between mortgage troubles, the passport, the money stash, the extradition research... Really, there's no other reason not to believe that he was in on this. The defense argued that Shannon just didn't come home that night, and she was likely with someone else who knew her, such as Greg Barnes. He probably killed her and then placed her head in the ditch outside to point fingers at (laughs) Doug. Yeah. So they're just, like, pointing
0: fingers at other people. She's probably... Because they have no other defense strategy to use.
1: Yeah, I think when they found out that he had made the passing comment, like, she's probably in a ditch somewhere. Whereas he was probably saying that knowing that she had disclosed she was scared of her husband, or ex-husband. Can I also
0: just say that putting her head in a bag in the ditch outside of your house is the most minimal amount of effort that I've ever heard of? Like... Tell me about it. You couldn't have put it like down the road by where her car was found. You literally were like, oh, I'll just throw it outside my front yard. There's just no, there's no like good logic here.
1: Drive the two and a
0: half minutes back down the road, buddy. Not that I like want murderers to be smart. I'm just saying, (laughs) like, you are stupid. Oh, so stupid. Yeah, that's nuts. So I really, please tell me Doug was found guilty.
1: We'll get there, but there's just, like, random other information from the trial of people test... Okay. Miss Harvey, the neighbor, also testified that she did not see Shannon's red car at the house around 5 p.m. when she got home, nor did she see it when she was leaving her house again at 4.45, which they were saying is probably the approximate window that Doug would have committed the crime. I don't really think that's that big of a deal. I don't always notice my neighbor's cars... So I think it's very easy to just walk by and not picture or not notice them. Another local, Mrs. Boggs, recalled seeing Shannon driving towards Victoria around 5 p.m., which couldn't be corroborated by anybody else, though. Mm. It could have just been someone that looked like her. As well as Mr. Rosen can only be sure, like we said, that the car was visible in his driveway as of the 18th, not the 17th, so... They were just trying to find a bunch of loopholes there that, but none of them really created a big enough window of time where Doug or someone else could have either done or not done this. It doesn't make any sense. Right. And Doug would not be foolish enough to commit this crime, they say, during broad daylight, being that the house was for sale, a realtor could have showed up anytime, they had kids. Um, I beg So they really hung but... on the fact that, like... It was too risky. Doug wouldn't have done that. Which kind of makes me feel like even his lawyer is saying, like, he's not smart enough. No, like, saying that he's... He's...
0: Saying that it's, like, too risky is saying that he's, like, smart enough to have the wherewithal to realize it's too risky. I feel like he didn't. I
1: agree. (laughs) I feel like he didn't. Yeah, they tried to say it in the sense that, like, oh, he wouldn't get away with it during the day. It's like, no... He was smart enough to know he wouldn't get away with it during the day. Yeah. It's so weird, but... To explain the weird library behavior, Doug said that he was honestly just worried about the sexual assault charges and those were what he was considering fleeing on. And then again, the Hail Mary in this defense is they tried to say that they had two reports of locals seeing a woman that reportedly looked just like Shannon after the date of the murder downtown Hmm. but it's like she's been identified yeah so they were I guess just trying to say that she potentially could have been murdered days after what they suspected but with they're just throwing the
0: timeline off
1: yeah and we've already had the timeline fully corrected so it really doesn't make sense um to finish it off Doug was found guilty he was sentenced to second degree murder because we don't have the rest of the body we don't know the cause of death yeah So he was given second-degree murder. But he was given life with no parole for 15 years and ended up not getting parole ever. And in 2014, August, he passed away at Pacific Rim Institute in Abbotsford at the age of 67.
0: See you never, Doug. Yeah. See you never. To this day,
1: though, we still have no idea where Shannon's body is. Yeah, that's sad. It's really sad, and a lot of other people tried to get that information from him over the last couple of years kind of seeing his health deteriorate and he just, he just wouldn't give it up, it up. No. piece of shit right to the end
0: yeah cause that's and always Shannon's... sad I mean like I'm sure that it would provide I don't know if closure is the right word or like something for her son and the people that love her to, to be able to like
1: cremate or bury just or... like
0: lay her to rest as yeah, one whole person
1: yeah
0: well Ugh. I am going Um, to link some domestic violence resources in Canada in the, like, episode notes for this. Because I feel like this was very domestic violence-based. And, like... And no one really knew. Exactly. Like, domestic violence occurs. Like, I said it earlier in the episode. You literally never know what's going on behind closed doors, even if people seem so happy and, like... A lot of the time people who are being abused either just don't even realize it or they're just trying to hold it together for their kids. And so they don't reach out for help and not to I'm not victim blaming. I'm just saying that like that is the that's the reality of these situations when people are literally living yeah. in survival mode day to day. Um, so in British Columbia, the battered women's support services crisis line is one eight five five six eight seven one eight six eight there is a whole bunch of other resources on canada.ca though for like each province and like different types of um supports like women's shelters safe houses in your area um so i will link all that information in the show notes for this episode
1: i love it yeah i mean the final note was just that shannon's family said that when they got news that Doug had died they said they literally felt nothing at all and her dad Charlie said that like from the day they found out he was responsible he was dead he died that day yeah of course to him like killed my child yeah
0: I agree wow that was that's a hard one I find not that they're not all hard but I don't know dismemberment just gets me in a different way I just feel like it's such a it's so callous
1: and like And I feel like we hear about a lot of dismemberments in the sense of people trying to like dispose of
0: Yeah, but, but this, this is sounds like, a, like
1: he like he kept part for a reason to get it, like for mm-hmm. financial gain, which is just like extra disgusting. Yeah, it's just
0: like a complete disregard for like human life and who Shannon was and like you were with somebody for five years and you're able to do that, like you deserve to die in prison.
1: I agree. Just goodbye. See you friggin' never. And he was like under 40 when this happened, I believe. So it's like he still got to live out yeah,
0: like 30 years. Yeah, well, I hope it sucked. Yeah, me too. But yeah, I will link those resources. I think that sometimes we don't even know the situation that we're in until we hear stories or just... We all you can relate figure to it out at our, own, at our own pace, but um, definitely use them if you need them, because that's what they're there for.
1: Yeah.
0: Everybody deserves to live a happy, healthy, stress-free
1: existence. I mean, I don't know about stress-free. I don't think that exists anymore in a way, but...
0: Sure it does, if you, if you just make it happen. Yeah. Working on it. Nobody's stressing me out. Absolutely not. Whole vibe on do not disturb. Absolutely not.
1: Okay, I'm ending this thing. Okay, <laughs> goodbye. Olivia's getting too sassy. We gotta go. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.
0: I'll call you soon.
1: Okay. <gasps> okay. Bye. 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 How do I stop this shit? I'll stop it. <laughs> okay. Fucking. <laughs>